What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 19 of All About the Mix. We are your hosts, Malik and Dad. In this episode, we're joined by Octavia Ramirez, an entrepreneur and freelance copywriter who just launched a magazine with her brand, Paper and Coin. Without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, we're back. Episode 19. Episode 19. All about the mix. We are here. With a very, very, very special guest. Who's that? Ooh, I'm so flattered. <laughs> Who's the guest? <laughs> we got Octavia Ramirez. Hey. Say welcome, welcome to the people. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So Octavia, we uh, all used to work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Although we can't seem to uh, like agree how we like actually we worked together, we, but we worked we, in the same building. Same building. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I saw you when we were grabbing coffee. Yeah, in the morning. That's yeah. We it. always had a competition of like who was better dressed that day. Yeah, I think I can agree though that it was always you. Uh, I'll give that. Don't, to you. Like, don't feed it. <laughs> don't feed it because if you feed it, it's just gonna His keep head going. is literally, yeah, literally growing as we speak. Yeah, I love it. Um, tell the people what you do. Oh my gosh, I you hate this. Lot, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate <laughs> yeah. this question. Tell us five <laughs> cool facts about yourself. <laughs> yeah. Well, what is it? Two, two truths and a lie? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> This is all a lie. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, I mean, I just identify as an entrepreneur. And the reason, I know that sounds so cheesy, but like, I'm always up to something. Um, but I guess right now what I'm doing is I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Paper and Coin. Woo! Cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're a primarily a business and financial literacy platform for right now Canadian millennials, although that will grow, obviously. Um, Yeah, so what we do is we offer financial literacy in a variety of creative outlets. So we do a lot of small workshops within primarily Toronto right now. Um, And then one of our kind of anchor projects that we launched this year, actually in the spring, was a print magazine. And so we spread kind of the message of financial literacy and business and entrepreneurship through the um, creative content, through print, digital, um, and we're going to be going into video in 2020. Mm-hmm. That's okay. right. So cool. so we just take a really creative approach to topics that are sometimes a little bit dry yeah. <laughs> um, and not necessarily sexy, and we make it sexy. So, yeah. That's kind of like what we try and do with this. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, I'm just going to stand in front of this camera and it'll just make it sexy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's so much to unpack there. Mm-hmm. I think we can start with kind of what made you want to start this mm-hmm. business. Like, was that um, was that after you were you left the agency? Because you were like a copywriter, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's funny because when people ask me, if you were to take a look at my resume, it is like... So confusing. It's like five (laughs) pages long. I mean, I've condensed it. And there's things I've just completely cut out because I'm like, okay, this was way too long ago. But I'll give you a quick Coles notes of like my career. Sure. Because I don't even think y'all know. But um, yeah, (laughs) education session. Right? Let's uh, get to know me. Um, And it'll kind of shed light as to how we all ended up working together. But I used to work, I studied science in university and I actually was on track to go to med school. Um, I wanted to be a, I can't believe this, like obstetrician, gynecologist. I wanted to deliver babies for a living, which is so (laughs) ironic because now people ask me, they're like, oh, like when when are you guys going to have kids? And I'm just like, I don't know. Like, I don't care about babies. Yeah. I don't (laughs) care about babies anymore. Damn it. Look at my resume. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I say that with less words, but you know, my eyes say that, say that. Um, I mean, I do care about babies. Well, that's a whole other conversation, but anyways. No, I hate them. So... (laughs) 
I, uh, I studied science, was on track to go to med school. I ended up working in clinical research. So I've done like hematology research, uh, respirology research. And then the last like clinical research stint I did was at Princess Margaret Hospital for prostate cancer. And so I was pushing Viagra. I was pushing all that stuff. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> um, no, but I did like clinical studies. So individuals that had prostate cancer across various like stages of their cancer, I was working on trial drugs with those patients. So I was working with the head of surgical oncology. Like I was, I was in it. Yeah, you, you were, know, yeah, I was deep. Geez. Okay, okay. <laughs> um, and decided like, there was like creative energy in me that was not being expressed in any way. Um, once I decided I didn't actually want to go the traditional route of becoming a like medical doctor, I had a bit, little bit of an identity crisis at the age of like 24, 23, 24, which is like, I think pretty early still to have an identity crisis. And I was like, okay, well, what else can I do? Like, if I don't want to be a doctor, then like what else? And so when I, the timelines are a little mixed up because I actually wanted to, I had already dropped the idea of being a doctor, but I still worked in research for like another several years, mm -hmm. just trying to find out what the next steps would be. And just like through talking to people, they're like, oh, you're a pretty good writer. So I actually don't have any like formal training in, in writing. Wow. And um, that kind of, it's funny because I thought like, oh, did I waste my life studying science when I hate <laughs> doing this? And yeah. it's funny because that is kind of what started to, what helped me transition into creative work, which is ironic. Um, so I ended up moving into the healthcare technology space and they needed someone that could write. So they had seen some of the blog posts and things I'd been writing just for fun. And they're like, oh, you can actually write. And we need someone who understands the healthcare space and understands that like information. And it's very dense, like medical terminology and stuff. And so I did, I worked in healthcare tech for a bit and then it wasn't, and then I worked at some smaller agencies, actually another one just on the same street here. Right. And yeah, worked with like diabetes, pharmaceutical companies and different healthcare companies. And then it wasn't till after I left those smaller agencies that I got picked up at John Street to work. Or are you allowed to, are we dropping names? Drop bombs. If you want. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, well, that's when I ended up moving to John Street and sure. worked in copywriting in pharma. Um, so that's why I don't, you, neither of you were on the farmer account. No, say. no, I never were. Yeah. No. I was just on home hardware. Yeah. Just, chilling. just yeah. <laughs> one of the biggest accounts, whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's kind of what landed me at John street. And so I have formal training in kind of the medical world, but I kind of like, I don't want to say fell into writing. I think it was always in me, but I haven't. I never had any formal copywriting experience. A lot of people I worked with went to school for advertising and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm like, the cool thing is that it's never been hard for me to get a job as a copywriter and a high paying gig too, because okay, flex one time I know, for no, the, it's true. Yo, you got, you know what? I just got to <laughs> drop it to these people. Like yeah. you got to negotiate. We'll talk about the financial side of sure, it. Right. Sure. But even like full disclosure with John street, I, I said no to their first offer. And they came back to me months later with like three times the rate because yeah, you just got to demand it. Right. And so, and that's the cool thing about being in the healthcare space is that because it's so niche and you need to have that expertise, I was able to kind of demand a higher yeah, rate. Yeah. And like leverage your, yourself. And yeah. Your and so it's so funny. Cause like you come in th feeling insecure, like, Oh, I don't have formal training as a copywriter. And it's just like, no. Also, are you allowed to swear on this podcast? Do, it up. <laughs> Do, it up. Do you Do have the you E want. symbol? Okay. Yeah. But no, so legit, like I had to, like I came in feeling insecure, but now like I use that to leverage myself and get higher rates. So yeah. And then 
How so sorry, I, you never really had imposter syndrome, I guess? I mean, you always do because you're like, I mean, there was some other copywriters at John Street and John Street is brilliant, right? Like sure, their work yeah. is just renowned. And so I'm like talking to these other writers and I'm seeing the work they're producing. Like, how do you even like think that way? Yeah. And I love my time there because it really pushed me to think outside the box. Mm. And now when anyone hears that I worked there, they're just like, oh my gosh, like, can you try to like, do you still have contacts there? Like, can you hook me up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, relax. I worked on the healthcare team. Like it, it was yeah, not yeah. cool. Okay. No, it's chill. Healthcare is, healthcare is a vibe. Yeah. I mean, it was like cool. Cause I didn't never stayed late. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah, I'd see yeah. like other like accounts like in Us. war rooms and you guys <laughs> like I've been here since stressing out. Yeah, yeah no yeah. I mean our team was chill it was like literally like five of us yeah, right yeah. so um no it was a great experience and like all that to say is that how how did the financial piece come into this yeah um basically it started like when I was still working at the hospital like I was suddenly making money but I didn't know what to do with it and no one in my family talked about money I never formally learned about it and so I really just kind of dove into like self-education and realize like, oh my gosh, I love this stuff. Mm. Like everything I wasn't getting from working in healthcare, I was getting, I was getting that buzz from like the financial space, which is so Which lame. is crazy because you it. went from like, <laughs> like science to creativity mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. finance. I know, which but the like... finance piece was kind of like undergirded. Like it yeah. was something I was always doing, even when I was working at the hospital, then in tech and then moving to John Street. Like, yeah. um, yeah, so it was like something that I was always learning. So learning about how to invest in the stock market, you know, whether or not real estate is even a good investment. Like, what does that even mean? Learning about how to pay off debt. So I, again, I know I'm rambling, so I'm just going to I actually going. love it right now. <laughs> keep, keep going. Um, so it was actually in like 2012 when I was still working in prostate cancer research that I was like so fed up with debt. I was like, I'm so done with this like stupid credit card. Like every time I'd get paid, I'd have to put all the money back into, I just felt like it was like a rat in a wheel. Right. So I'm like, you know what? I literally just took a pair of scissors out of my like desk drawer at work and like sliced up the one credit card I had. Very dramatic. I love it. Yeah. I didn't, (laughs) I was like, I wasn't even really thinking to be honest, but I, as soon as I did it, it felt so right. And I felt completely free even though I still had a balance on the card. And so, but at this point I knew I couldn't do any more damage. Um, And like full disclosure, honestly, my limit of my credit card was $2,000. I think I had like 1700 bucks of a balance on it. So it wasn't even like totally maxed out. Yeah. It's like manageable. It was mm, $1,700. I mean, yeah. Like the thing is I wasn't making that much money, like enough to put, like pay it off in one fell swoop. Right. So, and then it just adds on. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah. And then no, suddenly I, I another thing comes up and you're like, oh, I want as you put on your credit card. So anyways, I, I've been debt free. I ended up cutting, paying off my credit card like within a month. And then I became debt free in 2012. And I haven't had a credit card or any debt since. That's crazy. Yeah. Whoa. So that it's, like... it's going to be almost like eight years of being completely debt free. And so that... But what about the travel points that you get? What, <laughs> I do you, what about that? Oh, my God. What about the rewards? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about that, but... All that to say is that that started in like 2011, 2012. Yeah. And like my journey with finance kind of started then and just like self-education, like diving in. And it's like I wasn't even doing it to be like, oh, I want to like I just wanted it was something I was passionate about. And I wasn't even sharing that with anyone. I started blogging about my journey of like paying off debt and like learning how to budget, learning how to like invest and all that stuff. Uh, Got engaged, cash flow to wedding. That was like about twenty five thousand dollars, which is like pretty 
Yeah. That's a lot of money. It's like yeah. a decent amount of money. We had like a, you know, traditional normal wedding with like 130 guests and right. like, you know, open bar, the whole thing. And so kind of uh, chronicled my journey of like, how did we do that? And I fully share like what our salaries were and everything. So, um, and then traveling, I obviously don't have a credit card. So how do I travel? Like I literally was in Oman like a month ago. So I go to like random obscure places too. So like people just had a lot of curiosity as to how I was living my life debt-free, how I got to that point. And yeah. so that's into kind of what was the catalyst to launching Paper and Coin. Really, I just took the things and the work I was doing for free and off the side of my desk and just packaged it and was like, all right, you want help? Here's how I can help you. Um, and yeah, and then scaled it to this point. So what was the first thing? Like you do master classes, you also mm-hmm. write articles in the mm-hmm. magazine. What was the first thing that kind of... One-on-one financial coaching. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, people, what I saw is the white space. I did a lot of, re- I mean, I come from a research background. So of course I'm like, I'm not just going to start something, even though I had the idea, but I'm like, I have to back this up with research. So I literally did, like I gathered some of my girlfriends, we had our clipboards and we hit the streets, <laughs> Nathan Phillips Square talking to like young people walking down the street, like, Hey, like, what do you think about, you know, do you feel financially confident in the sense of like, do you feel like you have the, or do you have the literacy to be able to confidently make decisions regarding your finances? And like the general consensus was like, no, like I hate talking about, yeah. yeah, (laughs) And you know, we did online surveys and all of that stuff. And then obviously I did my own research, digging into like journal articles, newspaper articles and all of that stuff. And so the evidence was clear is that we lack financial literacy as a generation. We also just lack financial confidence because we don't have the literacy. So we're just kind of like, so where does this, where does literacy come into play? Like what, like through like, education like does that like how does it how would someone like learn about something like that compared to like let's say our parents generation who might be more financially literate than than we are I think experience obviously is huge right like just because your parents had to go through things it doesn't mean they still know what they're doing like they might have done something for 20 years that was like totally wrong like for example a lot of people have like whole life insurance policies and like your parents probably might have them. And so it's like, there's so many reasons why I don't agree with that. We're not going to get into Mom, if you're listening to this, back it a bit now. (laughs) Term life insurance, term, right? (laughs) So anyways, like just little things like that, right? That your parents, maybe somebody in their community was like selling insurance and they figured, okay, let me get this. Like, was it the right decision for them? Maybe not, Mm. but they just did it because somebody told them to. And I think especially in the immigrant communities in Canada, it's like we, our parents, my family, I'm a first Canadian, first generation Canadian. And so, I mean, I've seen my mom like get into all kinds of stupid shit, like, and she regrets it now, but like, she just says like, I didn't know, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like nobody told us they didn't have the formal education, even like in Canadian school, she went through high school and everything here too. So a lot yeah. of those pyramid schemes online. Yeah, like, so oh attracting my goodness. I just, I get so upset with that. But anyways, so yeah. literacy is everything. Because like, you know, whether it's education in any field, if you don't know, if you don't have that like solid backing of like that education, then you're not able to make informed decisions in any respect, right? Health, fitness, finances. And so the thing about finances is it's so like, intimately intertwined into your Mm -hmm. everyday, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. But anyways, we we found that white space. We found, like, okay, there's there's a few companies that are kind of doing this in Canada, but they're doing it really shittily. Like, 
Drop the names. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, off the mic maybe, but yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, and then there was a few, few brands that, you know, people would always be like, oh, do you know who like Weld Simple is? Okay, I'll drop that. Yeah. Yeah. And they're great. I actually know their CEO and like, I've been actually following them since they were like, they had like 12 people in an office at Richmond. Like, so anyway, all that to say is that there still was that financial literacy and coaching piece missing. And so we filled that gap and yeah, it's, it's been amazing ever since. So. And do you still do, you still do copywriting on the side or did you? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm primarily doing like freelance work just because paper and coin takes up so much of my time. Yeah. It's like a full-time job and a half. Um, but I mean, you know, startup hustle, like, so full disclosure, like I don't even take a salary from this company right now. So my entire personal financial life is based on like some of the freelance copywriting and consulting that I do. And the paper and coin revenue just kind of is reinvested back into the company Mm. just because we're in a growth stage right now. And I always tell people is like when your company is a baby, like an infant, you can't be expecting that baby to be like sustaining you, right? Like you are the parent, you are supposed to be sustaining and growing that baby. And so I I see too many entrepreneurs trying to find a way to make money off their company at first. And I'm like, Mm, you need to get it to a point where, you know, it's at least like a preteen and can like help out around the house kind of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so where did you, um, where did you kind of learn how to be an entrepreneur? Did you just kind of figure it out like trial and error? (laughs) <laughs> you know what? It's so funny because I speak on panel events and yeah. like at conferences and stuff and people will ask me all the time, like, because I tell them, I'm like, I used to work in healthcare. I studied science and, you know, the whole shebang. And they're like, how did you know, like what to do? I'm like, I didn't like, I still don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I say that like fully like confident because I'm like, you know what? You got to follow your gut. And I, no, I didn't study entrepreneurship. And it's so funny to me because I see like college programs that have like I, know, I was just going to say that. I can't <laughs> really I was gonna say. Well, like, it, well, it goes back to the same thing about when you were talking about uh, how like now like you see kids coming in doing like copywriting programs, advertising programs. And then it's like, well, you know, some of the most successful people in the entire industry don't come from any background like that. So how do you like, how do you understand that? How do I that? figure it out? Yeah, yeah. it's so fun. You know what? I love trying shit. Like, it's funny because I remember like my first or second day at John Street and my manager, who also has a copywriting background, she's like, okay, so um, do you have any experience with copy decks? And she kind of knew that I don't, I'm not formally trained in this, but she hired me anyway. And I was like, what the? (laughs) Like, I I know what copy is, but but, like, what's a deck? (laughs) Yeah, what's the deck part? Of That's the right. Deck. And then she like pulled up a couple of files. I'm like, oh, so it's literally a word document oh, that doc says, copy. Yeah. right? Yeah, it's not a deck; it's a doc. But yeah. no, you get what I'm saying, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like things are never as complicated as people make them sound. It's like, oh, this is literally just a word doc with the title of the account and like doc now and you number, now you account yeah. lead creative lead yeah but like, date yeah to be so you know what I mean so I'm just like I just take that approach no matter what I'm doing I'm like I'm sure all these like acronyms and things I'll figure it out like and yeah. then because like PSA means one thing in advertising and it means another thing when I worked at prostate cancer right they're the same acronym applies both places so mm. I'm like you know what everyone's got their own like systems and processes in place and you just go in and you figure it out. And so when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's the same thing. Fucking Google it. Like 
I used to, I skipped this step, but like when I was leaving, when I, not leaving, but I had decided I wasn't going to further pursue my med school applications. Like I had done the MCAT and done the whole, gone through the whole shebang. But when I had decided that, I was like, but what else am I good at? And I was crying about it <laughs> with my boyfriend, now husband. Yeah. And, um, and I came across this like magazine and I was like, oh, this is really cool. And remember, this is like 2012 okay. at the time. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, it'd be really cool to do like a Canadian equivalent of this. And I actually had started an online magazine in 2012. And like literally there was like random publishing house in Chicago that like emailed me. It was like, we'd like to buy ad space on your website. And I was like, what? Like, what is this? this is a and thing? I, yeah. <laughs> and I was like interviewing Grammy award winning artists like, uh, like Kimbra and like Alan Stone was in town recently. And like Leanne Le Havas, who's out of like England and like I'm meeting all these people. And like, I just kind of, it just worked. And people, there was like producer at CBC who wanted to interview one of the people I had interviewed. And he was like, he was like a personal friend. He's like, hey, how'd you get that like connection? I'm like, I Googled it. <laughs> and it's just, LinkedIn. and he like went to school for journalism and yeah, like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, maybe I'm outing myself, but like the truth is it's like, I just figure it all out. And not to say that, like not negating these like programs. I think it's, it, there's a lot of value in it formally studying certain crafts, but sometimes you just got it. And yeah, and you know, to that point, when you think about programs like, you know, like finance or like accounting or, you know, math, like things that are like teachable things, like with, if you add this up this way, it equals this, Mm -hmm. like for something that's more like subjective if that's the right term like like, like art yeah like creativity yeah. like you you go to school for creative writing mm-hmm. but like you can't teach someone to be like creative, creative. exactly they just like they emulate it through the program yeah and i think like obviously like the environment you're in mm-hmm. right like yeah. you can't be in a creative environment and not get that bug right mm-hmm. like so like and I, you've mentioned this you know even when you were at john street you're like it's hard to be at like a creative hub like that and not be doing creative work right so it's like I totally get that so it's like if you are someone that's wanting to maybe start a business or do something more creative then like get yourself in those spaces right and like find a way if you have to volunteer like intern whatever you got to do get yourself there and expose yourself to those kinds of people doing that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so yeah I mean really I think the creativity was always in me I just never tapped into it when I was pursuing Mm -hmm. medical education right so but that was that urge was growing in me the longer I stayed in healthcare, and I was like, okay, I gotta make a change. You know yeah. what I mean? But that entrepreneurial bug has just always been there, and I've always been a leader. I've always been someone that is very personable, and like my mom even tells stories of me being like a baby or toddler and going up to strangers and smiling and like, mm. you know what I mean? So <laughs> I like making those connections, and so putting myself out there, so to speak, is never has never been a struggle for me. So. Um, I think it's, it, it is a natural inclination, but I do think you can like harness and tap into that if it is maybe something that doesn't naturally come to you, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's not to say that like someone who would take like a creative writing course, like yeah. couldn't learn how to get there. It's just in some sense, it's like, it's like different for, you know, some people than, than others. Like no, if you naturally, if you naturally creative, uh, um, those kinds of programs will be like easier for some than others. Yeah, yeah. Totally. But not to say that it like isn't something that can't be learned 
especially to your point, if you're surrounded in that kind of environment. Yeah, for sure. I I think people skills has a lot to do with it too. Like, um, oh my gosh, I'm like totally just like revealing all my shit. But like (laughs) my first clinical research job, like right out of university, I did not have formal like clinical research like management experience. Like, and (laughs) you're dealing with clinical drugs. Like these are drugs that are not on the market yet. And I interviewed at this, like one of the departments uh, at the University of... Okay, you know what? I'm not even going to reveal it. Yeah, yeah. It was a... It's like a big (laughs) university hospital out west. (laughs) 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 All right. Basically. They're they're legit. You do the math. Yeah, so (laughs) I interview, you know, and I'm very confident. And I'm like, yeah, you know, like I'd be great to like deal with the patients. And they hired me. (laughs) They hired me. you know, we know you don't have like that much experience. I was like 22 at the time. They're like, but we think you'll be great. And it was literally to the point where I'm seeing patients. So I would see them kind of prep them, get them ready and do their like blood work and all that stuff. And then the doctor would come in like after. And, um, I was like, yeah, I would chat up the patients, put my gloves on. I'm like doing their, doing the work and like really confident. And then one of the nurses comes in and goes to the patient. Oh, like, Oh, hey, Mr. So-and-so, like the doctor will see you in a bit. He's like, Oh, I already saw the doctor. Oh, and they're like, I love Who? That. that he's like, Oh, that young lady. And she's like, No, oh, that's no, that's our research coordinator. We don't even know who that who, <laughs> who, who are was, you? Who was that? <laughs> Security. Yeah, but it's funny to me, right? Like yeah. I kinda I don't want to say I charmed my way into that job, but like I finessed it I heavily. Fin- yeah, you know. That's the that's a right term, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Finesse. Finesse. Just dripping in it, you know? <laughs> so yeah, and then like And when I got to Princess Margaret Hospital, I kid you not, I was the only one on the clinical research team that had not gone to, like, a college program after university. Like, they have those, like, clinical research programs, similar to advertising. Post-secondary? Post-secondary diploma or whatever. Not university, but, like, still a qualification. You still have to have a university degree. And then, yeah, it's like a certificate program. And so they had all done it. And it was like, some of them had done it for a year and then like also two-year programs. And I'm like, wait, sorry, what? You guys all, oh. And you're I 22. Just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this point, I was like 23, 24. I okay, moved back sure. to Toronto. Yeah, I was yeah. now at Princess Margaret. And so, yeah, I was just like, oh, shoot. I'm the only one that didn't do that program. So, I mean, I don't want to like flex, but it's true. Like, I kind of just like use my experience, leverage my like people skills and like offered the skills that I think a lot of people struggle with, which is like just figuring it out, going like rolling with the punches and those like people get nervous to do that. And even in interviews, like I exude that I'm like, I will be a leader. I will find the space that you guys need like to fix or whatever. And like people hire me. So, so Maybe not after this, they'll be like, hmm. They're like, we found her. <laughs> we found she out. She was bullshitting the whole time. I mean, and so you talked about imposter syndrome. I yeah. think there is a level of imposter syndrome because you're just like, oh, shoot. You find out that everyone else has all these extra diplomas and certificates and you don't. But then I'm like, but then why am I also in the same room as them? Mm-hmm. Right? Like whether it was clinical research. Maybe they bullshitted their way. Not knows? saying bullshit, but I'm like, no, maybe they finessed. Oh, I do. I I mean, there's a, there's a certain like level of bullshit to anything we do, right? Because you're yeah. always going to feel like, oh, shit, I'm going to get found out or whatever. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's imposter syndrome, right? But, um, well, but I always think like I'm in this room. So I did something right. something right. Yeah. yeah. And like I'm offering, I'm bringing it. something to the table mm-hmm. and I, I know myself, I'm self-aware enough to know 
the skills and expertise that I can bring to the table, even if it's not technical. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's something to be said about like leadership skills and those soft skills, so mm-hmm. to speak, that go beyond the technicality. So, yeah. So I'm always curious. Do you think those things can be learned? Like those soft skills, being that people person, yeah. being a leader. Yeah. I mean, obviously some people have it natural yeah. to them. It I think sounds it sounds like you had it natural. I think it came natural to me right. for sure. But I do think that with experience... And with intentionality, you can tap into it. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have trouble, like, for example, my husband is a true introvert. Like, him and I are the complete opposite. And so for him, like, he struggles to do these networking events and stuff like that. Because he's like, he hates small talk and all that stuff. Gotta go to one of Doc's panels here. (laughs) (laughs) December 11th, pull up. Oh, hey, okay, okay. Um, December 11th, brain station. Got it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like for him, he really has to be intentional about like, okay, what am I going to this event for? What is the purpose? And what am I going to do to get the most out of this experience? Right. So it takes for him or someone like him, it takes a lot of like thought, whereas I'll just like walk right in and like, you know what I mean? (laughs) So I do think you can learn it if you are intentional about wanting to learn. If you're like, okay, I'm just uncomfortable, so I'm just going to stay in my comfort zone, then, like, you're not going to get anywhere, right, well, regardless. Y- yeah, and, like, to, to build on that a little bit, it's interesting to see, you know, in a, you know, advertising space, let's say, uh, you see people who are in, like, leadership positions, and you always wonder, I don't always wonder, but, like, they got there for a reason, mm-hmm. and sometimes, you know, you see people, uh, we've all seen and worked with people above us who don't necessarily have those like leadership skills that makes them Mm -hmm. qualify for that position but like they're really really good at like what their job entails yeah so it's like i think it's a a willingness on on someone's uh i guess their i guess their own perspective of like i need to develop like my soft skills a little bit more but like they don't really know how to do that and i Mm -hmm. find that like in advertising sometimes you you see that happen quite a bit where you're like you kind of wonder how is this person like a like yeah. how does this person get here when like they're not like an outgoing person like me like they're mm-hmm. like introverted or something like that but yeah. like to I mean to all of our points here I think like if there's a willingness to learn then I mean it's so funny because like I actually think that my husband who's like very introverted I he's like the kind of person I would want to work for. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he works for me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So, but you know what I mean? Like, I think he's got these incredible leadership skills that I don't have, right? Like there's, there's not just, there's more to leadership than just like have fancy words and like confident speeches and Mm -hmm. stuff like that, right? Like I think that there's like being patient being patient with someone that's that's growing and learning. There's um, listening, listening, active listening, actively, yeah. exactly. Like there's so many other leadership skills. So I don't think that there's like one type of leader, um, but you're right. Like if there are elements of leadership that like, for example, being able to like encourage and build up a team, right? It doesn't always have, have to be this like with pros and like speeches and all that mm-hmm. stuff. But I do think like you have to just be intentional and that goes both ways, right? For me, active listening really like tapping into like what are the like needs of my team from like a resourcing standpoint. Like I can't just like barge in and be like, hey, this is what we're doing, which is my tendency, right? And so I'm like trying to like almost scale back and like really tap into those like kinds of leadership skills 
understanding and being self-aware that I am very outgoing and loud and boisterous and, and like I have to like understand that that's not necessarily the most productive thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think there's two, there's always like, there's a need for different kinds of skills and leadership, but um, unfortunately I think the introverts kind of get the down side of things because they're just, you know, because they're quiet, they're not necessarily seen as leaders, which mm-hmm. is unfortunate. Which is like, yeah, to your point, it's like, I feel like I said to your point, like every two seconds here, so <laughs> dropping a lot of points. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I feel like you know what I mean a lot, yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a but, shtick. Yeah, because you see people who are in like director level roles or VP level roles who are like maybe more introverted, and they're like, damn, that person's sick at their job, but like, I just like don't really know who that person is. I know, you know what I, mean? I know, Curious, yeah. So. But like, th- that doesn't mean that they're not good at what they do. Yeah, you totally. Know what I mean? Let's go back to paper and coin for a bit. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, listeners can't see, but mm-hmm. we have a copy of this right in front of us. I feel like the decision to do like a like a print magazine mm. was kind I'm of... Glad, I was yeah. waiting for this. Yeah. 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 I feel like that was kind of like an interesting choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You see people... I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, guys like me or your target audience for something like mm-hmm. this, I don't know what I'm doing with my finances. <laughs> and I'm hipping in well, the know. Well, tell us. So, <laughs> so how, does, how does your decision to... Uh, make like a a print channel Mm -hmm. for someone like me, you know, make sense. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's so funny that I get this question all the time. Yeah. In fact, right before we were going to launch our premiere issue in May and I was like trying to, you know, build relationships with different brands and partners to get them on board, we were going to do a big launch event, a big panel launch event for the first issue. So this one here that's on the table is the second issue. It's for fall, winter. Um, and I got that question from like one of the, so full disclosure, one of the big five banks was one of our sponsors for mm-hmm. our first event. And so, and the lady was a bit older and she was kind of like, oh, like I'm very curious. Right. And I, I'll tell her, I'll tell you what I told her is that there's a lot of digital fatigue out there. Like as much as we're all digital natives, like I wish I could delete my personal Instagram, but right. I can't because you kind of need it for brand. And now that every brand or every company is pushing digital first, it's like there, there's almost like an appetite for something different, which is ironic because now we're almost going backwards to mm-hmm. like be different, right? Mm-hmm. So you see this like upswing of like vinyl records. I was literally <laughs> just about to bring that up. Right? And so like I'm not trying to be ironic here. It's... And, and the other, the other answer is even with the digital fatigue, it's like, I just do whatever the hell I want to do, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. Like, I like... Let's drop a bomb real Like, I love print. Like, I love paper. I like to... I still carry a notebook around everywhere. Like, if I'm in the subway, an idea pops in my head. I, I, like, I get tired of texting and Insta... Like, my... Literally, my wrists start hurting. I think I'm getting carpal tunnel mm. syndrome. <laughs> so, for me, like, just, like... Putting like actual pen to paper was like is something I personally do, and then I love walking around the magazine section in bookstores. I love like grabbing a magazine and flipping through it and feeling the pages and looking at the photography. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I'm scrolling through Instagram, I'm like it's like a two millisecond. You don't even need to yeah. read it. I'm you not appreciate reading. it less too. Yeah, um, you know what yeah. I mean. And there's just like a lot of noise when you're doing that. You're not getting this like more tangible, impactful 
concentrated experience mm-hmm. that you get when you're reading a book, like a physical book, or when you're looking through a physical magazine. And so this is why I think a lot of even like retail brands that were direct to consumer online first are now popping up with stores in Yorkdale Mall, mm-hmm. right? So I think you need to have these like various like channels of experiences for your mm-hmm. audience, clients, customers, whatever it is. So same thing with online shopping. I actually don't like I'll look at something online, like a, a sweater or a skirt or whatever or shoes, but I still just I'm like, oh, I want to feel same this here. sweater in my hand, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and like, is it itchy? Is it soft? Like that kind of thing. And so the equivalent is what we've kind of offered with our magazine is like we want to bring you this really beautiful, tangible, tactile experience so you can sit down with a cup of coffee on your couch or on a Sunday morning or on the plane where you, you know, where you have to pay for Wi-Fi and not, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, and still have this amazing read and also learn stuff. And it's, I love when I see people, people grab the magazine. The first thing they do is they run their fingers over the logo, yeah, right? Like We've it. got this gorgeous like gold foil. And so that in and of itself is worth the extra money we spent for that, right? right. Because it immediately shows that people still were humans. We have sensual needs <laughs> right and so we like those experiences and so that's that's why print right i think and i what this i'll tell you what i told the lady is like if we do a digital campaign for you yes you'll get eyeballs but it'll be an eyeball for like half a second yeah versus, and, well, you know it's well it's funny too because like i'm thinking about you know my generation i was like just as the internet was starting to become a thing, like you in like the late nineties, like early, <laughs> like I grew up with yeah, the internet yeah, yeah. is what I'm trying no, to say. Sure, so yeah. I was there like when like books and magazine were like basically becoming yeah, like off, off, obsolete, obsolete. Yeah. And then the internet was sort of taking mm-hmm. over for people who were born, let's say 2005, you know, these, oh my God. Yeah, these, it's crazy <laughs> to think that these people are, are like, almost 15 years old. <laughs> that is point. wild. Those yeah. people will have, I'm not going off any research. I don't Mm -hmm. have any data to back this up. But I can assume that the next generation coming up, you know, whips through their phone. Their phone is basically an attachment or an extension of themselves. I know. So how do you challenge someone who's potentially never even read a physical magazine um, to get them to open yours? Well, I mean, that age group is not our demographic, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's another thing when it relates like advertising or marketing is you really have to know your audience, right? So our audience is millennials. So Mm -hmm. people, you know, I mean, up to the age of like 40, you know, for this issue, mind you, that might change in the future. I might be too old to understand what the 15 year olds are into, but TikTok, I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm like, see it every episode. <laughs> I know. I was like, TikTok, like paper and coin TikTok. Comes in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, collab. You know, and that's that's another conversation. Is like, I don't believe in being on every single platform just because that's the new thing. You know mm, what I mean? Right, like, right. I think you need to just you can't do it all well. I think do less better and do it the best, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, again, not going to go into it, but yeah, I think we are always up for like evolving. Right. And so, you know, maybe the magazine's not going to be the thing in 10 years. Right. Maybe it's going to be something else. Like I said, we're going to try video. And some people are like, oh, well, what about podcasts? And I'm like, oh, I already have a podcast. Um, <laughs> link in bio. <laughs> yeah, it's link in bio because I do not have enough followers to swipe up and I'm not paying for that shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally open. Like, like you've seen from my career, I'm. Uh, I'm constantly evolving. So the brand is going to evolve with our audience. 
Um, but again, it's it's really knowing what your audience wants. And as for the people that will never pick up a book, I, I challenge that, you know, because I think, like I said, there's an appetite for various experiences, right? There's an appetite for, um, for just different kinds of uh, channels, whether that's video, audio, or that's why podcasts are like booming right now, yeah. which is like crazy because you think about the radio, mm-hmm. right? What's that? Video kill the radio. Yeah. So it's like, no, but that's now there's a resurgence. So I think there's always cycles to uh, mediums, cycles to, to creativity. And I think we're just, we're in this cycle where, you know, what's that? U- Uniquo. I was in there a few weeks ago and I saw that they have a free magazine. Shout out to Dan what? <laughs> <laughs> Our friend Dan loves Oh, it. really? <laughs> yeah, they have a magazine. H&M apparently has a magazine. So it's right, like right. if like there there's some value to having someone grab that at your phys- at your retail store and then take it home. You know, Mr. Porter has like a, a newspaper magazine, right? So I think and they're a direct to consumer like online brand, mm-hmm, right? So I right. think it's just important to have various um, opportunities for customers to engage with your brand regardless. And like I said, we do live events. We're going to do video and all well, that stuff. And you have the, the digital copy as well. Yeah, we have the do digital that, download. So. We have an online blog. And so we still do those things, but print is just another avenue. Yeah, because going, going back to that, it's kind of interesting because the way that I see it, and I don't know if this would be a factor in anything, so don't hold me to this. But when I'm on you my... You have literally done no research. Yeah. No, yeah. It's all when, good. So yeah. when you're on your phone yeah. um, and you're, you know, you're scrolling, like let's say like you have a d- digital magazine or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't want to read this anymore, so I close the app and then never open it again. Yeah. If I have a magazine... It's and sitting I, on your you know, coffee it's table. It's sitting on my coffee mm-hmm. table. I'm like, I don't want to read this anymore. I put it down, I leave, I come back, and then I'm bored and I don't know what to do with myself. I sit down. The Wi-Fi's not working. The Wi-Fi's not working. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, yeah. I go on my on my coffee table. The magazine's right there, and you can pick it back up. So that, exactly, you know, I think that's a, there's a really interesting, like Res- not resurgence is. I don't know if that's the right word for yeah, it, but th- like there's a, just a new awareness. I think. Like yeah, a, yeah. There's I, a meaning for it. For like sure. there's a purpose for for this type of you know experience yeah. because you know it gets people it gets people reading and you know financial literacy yeah. and literacy in general yeah you know no get lit that's the name of the episode right there <laughs> that is it get lit. Yeah. Get. we're getting lit in yeah. all the ways yeah. um no i absolutely agree and then we were very intentional and mindful with the way it was going to be designed and the aesthetic sure. and the feel right like if you get your hands on this copy, it's not like one of those like gossip celebrity magazines, glossy, you know, 20 page magazine. It's cheap, right? Like I was, when I was first thinking about this, I'm like, I want to bring like the design aesthetic of like Kinfolk or, or Serial Mag and like add, you know, very impactful business and financial content, but then also lifestyle content. You know, you'll find articles on like travel and wellness and stuff like that in this magazine as well, all as it relates to the ambitious entrepreneurial millennials. So, mm-hmm. um, so it's not like, eh, I'm going to lay on the beach and have a vacation. Like it's very, like it's, we encourage rest and well being in order to fuel the things that you want to do. Right? right. So like, I, I don't believe in having entrepreneurship in like hustle culture, but I do think I do believe in working hard. Right. But I also believe in resting and, and seeking that adventure and inspiration and getting out there and putting yourself out there. And so all of that content is in this magazine. But again, like I said, the photography is 
very much inspired by like the fashion and design world. It's sure. cool. Like it's it's cool. It's cool, yeah. right? And like that's the thing is I didn't want it's embar- it's funny I was thinking about this. If you're an entrepreneur and you pick up literally like Success Magazine, which is actually a magazine with like, you know, I don't know, freaking Tony Robbins on the oh, cover, God. right? Yeah. Tony it's Robbins, like yeah. it's like embarrassing kind of Trying like too hard. Yeah, like I just I picture myself like waiting at the gate at an airport like Reading like why like Success Magazine with Tony Robbins on the cover. It's just like yeah. uh, I feel weird. Like this guy does like he's just not like in tune with our like. I mean I'm sure he's great. I don't really yeah whatever. But it's just like the branding of it all is very like Wall Street, you know. And, and like, then like people who like maybe aren't educated are like look at that and they're like they eat it up. That's sick. Like yeah. three yeah. easy steps for me to become yeah. a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah. It's for the so conferences simple. and all of that. And it's like yeah, you, you know. know and I'm like doing, this you know? magazine is for just the everyday normal entrepreneur that like maybe has like a nine to five job or is like finding a way to transition and go full time into their business and right. like you know, looks like me and looks like you and doesn't necessarily like wear freaking like three piece suits every day. Although I think you might be. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Let's no, get a DAC we'll... check on that one. Uh, DAC has left the chat. Yeah. But you know what <laughs> I mean? Check. The other problem too, I found with like, even like a little bit cooler magazines, cooler, I say in quotes, but like ink or fast company is that, um, they were focusing a lot on like these Silicon Valley, like unicorn rocket ship startups, you know, all the, all the buzzwords and like VC funded, like valuation of like $3 billion. It's like, okay, but cool. I have like a design studio in Toronto and we have $200,000 in revenue a year. And I have two employees. Like, what about that person? Mm. Right. Where do they go to get like business content that is relevant for them, but still inspires, encourages them and equips them with getting lit (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but then also is like, they want to put it on their coffee tables or on their like waiting in the waiting rooms of their offices or whatever. Right. So that's where paper and coin kind of fills the gap, I think. And, um, it's very unique in the Canadian market. Right. So do you want to kind of plug where people can find the magazine? Yeah. So, uh, we are nationwide at Indigo. Flex one time, one time. For <laughs> <laughs> one time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Every Indigo. Is it available online? Yeah. So can you I can... purchase a, a physical copy online? Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> and please put your unit numbers of your. Wow. <laughs> Called out. Oh Called my God. out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So you can order it online at paperandcoinmagazine.com or you can hit up any of the Indigo stores across Canada. Coast to coast, baby. Coast to coast. <laughs> There's also like um, some independent retailers that we're in, um, but I mean, I'm not going to name them because they're like random. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we're nationwide. You should be able to find it. But I mean, if anything, go to Indigo. If you can't find it there, then just order it online. And where can people follow you and all paper and coin? All things paper stuff? and yeah. coin. Twitter, Instagram, like, like it's all at paper and coin. The words paper a n d coin. Um, and then if you want to follow me personally, I have like 800 Instagram followers, you guys. Ooh, I know, right? After this, you'll have like yeah, yeah. one. Like. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. And it's going to be me. <laughs> uh, my personal is at Octavia Faith. I'm not going to spell it. Just we'll have it. We'll have, have it. the link. We Google it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figure it out. Look me up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, maybe you can be my 801st follower. It would be really great. Actually, well, no, wait. <gasps> I have 810. I just remembered. Okay. All right. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> 811 where we're shooting for right now. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> just, just out here being an influencer. You know that's what I mean? Right. Yeah. That's your life. 
Cool. That's episode, that's yeah. episode 19. That episode Wait, didn't 19. you guys want to talk about Disney Plus? Oh. <laughs> Save that <laughs> for next that, episode. Yeah, that's right. Part two with Octavia dropping. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, Her awesome. thoughts on Disney Plus. Well, yeah. thanks for thanks for joining the show. And yeah. It's been a great episode. Episode 19. Thanks for having that's me. That's a wrap. Peace. Bye.